episode seven. No, not episode seven of the podcast, episode seven of Star Wars. That's what we're talking about today on this episode of Conversations with Cal Katera. Dun 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 dun. So years ago when uh, I first saw Star Wars when I was about two, three years old, that was the music, 20th Century Fox, that was a studio. Now Disney has it, as we all know, and the uh, the current Star Wars Episode Seven is uh, it's close to two billion worldwide, two billion dollars worldwide. Film cost two hundred million to make. The studio paid four billion to George Lucas, so I think they're uh, getting a pretty good return on the investment. A little soft. Few spoilers are going to be in this episode. You're going to hear that, so take note if you haven't seen this yet. And I don't I don't know how many people who haven't at this point, but uh, I think. Collectively, the guys that were part of this panel, I think, uh, seen it like eight or nine times, which isn't that much. It doesn't seem that much. I've only seen it once. I'd like to check it out again. It was it was a pretty good flick. You know, overall, I wasn't really geeking out over over it. You know, I wasn't super excited. Probably blame this on on Jim Oosley and Oscar Madrid. They were they were on the podcast and talking about how with uh, the uh, prequels, just, just how disappointed they were. I, I knew that this was going to be better. Using practical effects and things of that nature really helped tell the story, really get good performances from the actors. So it was, I was expecting a lot more. But I, I'm just one, I don't like to watch, a, watch know the movie that's, that's going to happen before I go in and see it. And I think that's the problem with trailers these days. And I'm getting on my soapbox here, but... Too often, I know, like within a minute in, that I'm going to see the movie and it's interesting. It hooks me, and then of course I keep going. And I don't see the purpose that a trailer has to have a beginning, middle, and end. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. It's not for me. I, you know, it's at, at a point it's like, oh, I know what's going to happen. Ah, it's going to ruin the movie for me, so I won't even go see it. So, yep, yeah, that's my particular, uh, that's my particular pet peeve there. But. Um, you know, I saw this flick with my nephew and a couple of his friends. We uh, raised some money for him for Boy Scouts or Cub Scouts. He's a Cub Scout and uh, sold popcorn. And, and part of his reward was some tickets to see it at the uh, the St. Louis Area Council's screening. They rented out uh, a local theater named Ronnie's 20. He and his friends really enjoyed it. He was he was digging the movie until... Uh, that fateful moment when Han Solo was killed and it just, I, I saw him just hunch over in his chair and yeah, he wasn't digging that movie so much anymore. So, you know, he's a good guy, but uh, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't cool for him at that point, but uh, hopefully he'll see it again. And, and I'm interested to hear what his reaction is. Maybe I'll record a little interview. We'll put that on the, uh, on the podcast. We are here talking star Wars seven with the panel of Steven Walden You've heard him before on the podcast, great artist. And if you look on the um, the thumbnail, the uh, the picture here on our SoundCloud site, and I think you're going to see this on iTunes as well, that is a 3D rendering, 3D painting that Steven put together with Han Solo and Chewbacca. And uh, special here, you can have a chance, you listeners, to win a print of that. And it's a $150 print. Steven Walden's work is amazing. And you just have to help us out with, with two things, actually. 
And what that is is you can go to the uh, podcast, Conversations with Calcaterra, on iTunes and leave a review. That's step one. And uh, step two is going to stephenwalden.com, signing up, subscribing on his email page. We'll compare everything that's there, put uh, put the names together, and uh, have, a, have a randomizer, and it'll... Uh, Pick a number, and whoever's name matches that number will win the print. And either hand deliver that to you or ship it off for all those listeners who are outside of the St. Louis metro area. So, good thing. Win a, win a Stephen Walden print. I mean, it's it's amazing work, and uh, I think a true Star Wars fan would love to have that hanging in their home. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's going on now. And then uh, social media, you can follow me, Ken Calcaterra. You can follow Stephen Walden on his... Uh, his social media, Stephen Walden. Stephen was also responsible for our 20th Century Fox homage. And, uh, you know, we don't have a lot of money with this uh, podcast at this point, but, you know, we make do. So, you know, our music right now, we don't have the licenses for Star Wars music, so we do what we can. Very fortunate to have some great sponsors who are helping out and uh, covering some of the cost and just supporting the show, supporting art, supporting communication, just great people. So a few years ago, I looked on Facebook, and a filmmaker friend of mine, he was distraught. His basement had flooded, and this guy has a ton of pop culture items in his collection, including a lot of Star Wars memorabilia, probably some one-of-a-kind things, and uh, you know his basement flooded, which pretty crappy situation there, and uh, time travel's not available, and you know he salvaged what he could, but it was... Yeah, it was, it was a big loss for him. And one thing to think of when you have these kind of items, especially something that's a, a collector's item, is uh, to make sure you have the proper insurance. I know uh, for my equipment I have insurance, and uh, you don't really have, have so much memorabilia, but it's good to know what you have, what your coverage is. You can talk to Mike Albishan about your policy. The big thing that he can do is help you find a competitive rate. And then, uh, you know, when you're insured with him, Mike is Mike is definitely... It's a great guy. He's he's going to be there on your side, and he's going to give you all the information you need to make sure you're covered and make sure if a situation like that happens that uh, you'll be properly taken care of. So why don't you give him a call? He's at 314-729-0054, Missouri and Illinois. He can help you out. Or email him at mikea at premierinsagency.com. That's Mike Aubuchon. You definitely, when Kevin... Blumenkamp creates something unique for you, you're going to want to have insurance for it. So you can call Mike for that. Call Kevin to uh, create a one-of-a-kind piece of jewelry or uh, item with metal inspired by Star Wars. Kevin and I uh, were good friends. We were talking the other night, and he was telling me that he's always had this Han Solo blaster, you know, the one back in the day from the 80s. It had uh, it made the sound effects, and it looked exactly like... Uh, like Hans Blaster from the original trilogy. And uh, Kevin was saying he's always wanted to craft that in, in silver or some sort of metal, either make a necklace or a pendant. And these these fine details are what makes Kevin's work so amazing. I mean, he's very detailed. He studied fine art. He has a master's degree. And he definitely a passion for creating cool, unique pieces. So if there's something that you've been dreaming up, that one-of-a-kind item... This is a guy that can that can create it for you. Kevin Blumenkamp. So why don't you give him a ring? 
314-346-6498. You can talk to him uh, about that. He can send you some examples of his work. Amazing dude. He uh, He's getting ready to put a website together, so he has some of his uh, renderings out there. So stay tuned for that. But until then, just give him a ring. Once again, 314-346-6498. I don't know if we can do it all after. <laughs> <laughs> we are here for our special Star Wars episode of the podcast. With Jeff Ritter. Jeff, tell us about yourself. What do you do? What, what website do you write for? I write for criticalblast.com. I cover film, theater, and music. Nice. Did you cover Star Wars? Uh, three times so far. Three times, so you reviewed it three times? Oh, no, no, I didn't review it at all. <laughs> it's ah. the one movie I've done this year that I've gone as a civilian. All right, all right, good. Well, we will expect your review here in audio form. Okay, very well. And we also have Stephen Walden, who you guys heard from a few episodes ago. He has done some great art, as well as the Han Solo and Chewbacca 3D painting, which is amazing. And that is, if you look on the show here, that's that's the photo that you're seeing. Stephen, where can they find you? They can find me over at stephenwalden.com. Awesome. What are you working on new these days? Uh, well, so right now, since we're in early January this weekend, we've got the St. Louis Cardinals Winter Warm-Up Convention. So I'm going to be painting there live, and I've got a bunch of St. Louis Blues stuff that I'm going to be doing next month. So a lot of live events going on. So I'm, you know, I'm a nerd and a jock, so it's like I'm fulfilling the nerd side of it tonight to help balance out all these sports paintings that I'm doing. Excellent. Welcome. Matt Sims. Matt Sims is here. Matt Sims is a good audio guy. He has uh, done a lot of podcasts, and now he's here with us for this podcast. Matt, what are you working on these days, and where can uh, where can the listeners find more about yourself? Uh, I'm working on uh, – sorry, my throat's a little sore. Uh, I'm working on just post-production audio, so noise cleanup, uh, mixing, and stuff like that. Um, I don't have a website at the moment, so uh, I'm kind of transitioning from doing like a full-time job elsewhere into back into audio, so uh, later this year would be a better time, so – Awesome. All right. Well, we will update everyone. So Star Wars is what we're talking about tonight. What uh, what everybody think of the new Star Wars flick, episode seven? Yeah, you know, it happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It was pretty good. That's out now? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Spoiler alerts, everyone. Spock dies. <laughs> <laughs> A horrid death. He was eaten by Jabba the Hutt. There is lens flare. <laughs> there is a lens flare. <laughs> yeah. And some, and some uh, Beastie Boys, right? Yeah. yeah. I've, I've also seen it three times. Damn. All, all as a civilian. All right. You know, hoping to catch it a fourth time maybe at the Omnimax. <clears throat> I want to see it at the Omnimax, so we should go. Yeah. I saw Star, or Star Wars. I saw Spider-Man 2 there, and I felt like I was watching tennis. I couldn't see, you know. Oh, yeah. Come back and forth like, there's Doc Ock, there's Spidey, there's Doc Ock, there's Spidey. Uh-huh. Find a little hard to see, but might be cool. I don't yeah, know. or really disorienting, one of the two. <laughs> one of the two. It's like you're in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> By the end of it, you feel like Jar Jar, though. <laughs> well, I only... It's not easy. I only got to see it once, but I, I, I liked it enough that I'll see it a second time. So. Only once? Yeah. Oh. I saw it once as well. So where you guys balance us out. Okay, You, you provide balance to the board. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> so what did you think about it? What uh, A lot of people I'm hearing, and, and I saw the homage, I'll say homage to episode four and and i thought that it was well done new characters new mm-hmm. scenarios but it took you back to what we know and what was good especially after the prequels we have something familiar and then it it's launching it in a whole new direction did you right. feel that it, they were cheating that it was some well, people are just, just hate that let me let me back it up just a, a bit for you um in my 
line here as a film critic. I I'll be honest with you, I haven't paid for a movie in years, so uh, I kind of expected to get the to be able to review this one as well. Uh, Disney decided to do the review at the very last minute because hey, this is Star Wars and they don't need me. You know, they were going to make a billion bucks if I said it was worse than Fantastic Four or not, and it's you know nowhere close to being that bad. Um, the uh, so you know when I when I found out that they were only going to do the screener for people whose name are actually on the websites. And unfortunately it's not my side I write for, it's my bosses. So he got to see it, I think. I don't, not entirely sure. But I was kind of left out. So I'm like, all right, fine, I'll pay for my own way. And I went this time as a civilian. So I wasn't thinking like, look for plot holes, look for structure, look for this. I just wanted to be entertained. Mm. I wanted to not feel like I was watching the prequels. Because when I went to see the prequels, I am like, yes, new Star Wars. You know, excited. Midnight show with my brother. And when we left, we're like, well, it was new Star Wars. <laughs> but... <laughs> Did we like it? Mm, nope. Uh, and it got progressively worse each movie. So this time I'm like, please, please, God, don't let there be any Jar Jars. Don't let it be too too bad. And I was extremely surprised. I'm not a big fan of J.J. Abrams in general. Um, but this one really worked. And, and yes, it is. He kind of, you know, basically took the same formula from the episode four and ran with it. Right down to the big uh, sphere in the sky that gets blown up at the end. Um and by now you think the Empire would try, you know, a trapezoid or a pyramid structure. Maybe <laughs> they're, a cube. they're on the, they're going to do a rhombus. They couldn't do a cube because then the people would be like, oh, the Borg are here. JJ yeah. really started crossing the streams, you know, but, um, <laughs> you know, anything other than a, a, an orb again would be a better idea, but did, I enjoyed it. Did you see the homage as um, kind of a way to hit the reset button? I think about, what is it? The first line of the film is when Lars von Sonteca, whatever, Ming basically tells uh, <laughs> Max Poe. Yeah, he says, you know, perhaps this will begin to set things right. And that it was kind of <laughs> I didn't a, think of that. Like, it was, yeah, it's kind of like a palate cleanser because yeah. one of the big compl- uh, complaints of the prequels is like, that wasn't Star Wars. That was something else, but it wasn't Star Wars. And I, I felt like that it was kind of like, look, guys, you know, this is the movie that you were really hoping for in 1999. And we gave you, you know, this talking goggle eyed Rastafarian and <laughs> jingle all the way, you know. And so it's kind of like, you know, the force awakens and it also kind of apologizes a little it bit. It sure did. <laughs> yeah, it, it felt like a. a the people working on it were a huge fan of the original yeah. movies and they were basically like, let's make a movie we enjoy watching, yeah. which is like, that's the only preference I had was just let me be entertained. Mm-hmm. And that's that all, right. you know, for everyone ripping it to shreds right now, I'm not really going to, I don't think you need to defend it. Everyone was, it's successful financially, but also just everyone's talking about it still. Mm-hmm. I think like they, they totally succeeded in like, even if, okay, if, Think of all the all the the original three. Which one do you want to sit down and watch? Like, mm-hmm. which one are you going to go to? Probably the second or third, right? Mm-hmm. No one ever says A New Hope is terrible, but also well, it's no one's one, first. Actually. Well, you're a rare exception, <laughs> but but everyone everyone I talk to will be like Empire Strikes Back. I'd rather watch Return of the Jedi. On its own, though, you can't watch Empire without seeing Jedi. because You got to see what happens. To I, but I, I I think it's the I think it's the elements in the second one that everyone gets drawn to it for that reason. Well, it's it's a great movie, you know. In fact, all three, you know, work so well together as a trilogy, but uh, without Star Wars, you can't do anything else. Yeah. You know, without episode, uh, Star Wars is like called episode four, New Hope, whatever you want. 
whatever the jargon is now. Which is interesting because, you know, we recognize Empire as being, you know, this paragon of not just, you know, sequels, but movies in general. And a lot of people point to it as it's the, the best one. It's the one that took the most chances. It's a middle act. But when it originally came out, it, it wasn't as well reviewed. You know, critics savage. It's like, what is this? This well, is a second I act. Review, but I was six or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but it, it was so it was it was such a departure and it was so much more sophisticated than the yes. first one that, you know, it, it now with, you know, if you look at review circa 1980, you know, it's just it's and it's so interesting. This is the other thing I wanted to say to your point about, you know, when you watch the prequels, I also want to say that anything that I say about Force Awakens, I have to issue with a caveat that when I saw the prequels, I left the theater loving them. And then as time went on, I'm like, wait, what what happened? You know, and then it, yeah. I kind of dislike them. Now I've come back and I can appreciate them for what they are. But uh, so I, I have no objectivity right now because it's like I'm still on that that high of, you know, having just experienced it. But I think it's going to that Force Awakens is going to hold its own over time. I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. so. But what, what about the fact? So we're talking about the prequels, seeing the story and how it gives away some great plot points and everything in the original trilogy. Do you does anybody follow the machete order where you, you watch four I, or five? I haven't watched two, it. three, six. I, in my head, I've kind of mused on that, and I guess I kind of agree with that because one is just so bad, so much Jar Jar. And that's a shame, too, because Darth Maul was a great villain. Uh, Qui-Gon Jinn was, should have been a, a great character, but him and Lucas couldn't, you know, uh, Liam Liam Neeson and George Lucas couldn't see eye to eye on acting, much as uh, Sir Alec Guinness before him. Um, I don't know why Lucas keeps hiring these, like, extremely talented British actors and giving them nothing at all to work with. Right? <laughs> Um, what's my motivation? Stand in front of the green screen. That's not enough for a British mm-hmm. actor. Shakespearean trained, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the the prequels just, yeah. If you skip the first one, uh, the episode one, two should be okay, I guess, as background material for Darth. But the relationship between uh, Padme and and Annie, the worst named character, uh, is just so. Right. That's how I feel every time they say it. It should be a little redhead girl. And then that sunsucker new engine will just, just take the light right out of them and that'll be done. I mean, it's, it's there's just, you can see on screen how completely poor the match was. The chemistry was so mm. bad. Uh, I mean, it just, it was a train wreck to watch. And and uh, especially the, the character in there, I can't even think of the guy's name. Uh, he was the security guy who was supposed to be the bodyguard for Padme the whole time. Uh, and he just lets her run off with a virulent young uh, Jedi. You yeah. know, go Captain, frolic. Captain Typhoon. Typhoon. His name is yeah. Ty- Typhoon. Really? Yes, not even joking. It's just it, I remembered George it because George is not allowed so to bad. name anybody yeah, ever I know, again. I know. Well, well, that's what. So we've established how bad. The and he was a captain with a with an eye patch, which even made it arm at he was Like, a like, like if you're a bodyguard patch. and you don't have depth of field vision because you're wearing an eye patch, <laughs> at least Captain like, Harlock made sense to have an eye patch. He was a freaking pirate, but. <laughs> But I was pleased that when I saw that Lawrence Kasdan was one of the writers. Yes. Because like yes. I said, I, I loved Empire and I love a lot of the other work. I mean, Raiders. Mm-hmm. And then you look at even some of his non-sci-fi films, which Grand Canyon, I think, is a great movie. So mm-hmm. it's it's well-written, which is good characters, in-depth characters. So it was good to see that. And, and I felt there was there was some diversity. There was some layers yeah. in the characters. We look at uh, Kylo Ren. I mean, he was a, a lot of people on the Internet say that's what... Darth Vader should have been in the prequels, more like that mm-hmm. character, a little more torn. Yeah, I think they they tore him in the prequels a, a bit, but it was more like this 
angry, angsty, modern teenager kind of torn, not raging. Let me smash everything in the sight with a lightsaber, which worked much better. Yeah, yeah. It was intense. And he didn't have to go murder like a whole school full of little young Jedi kids to do it, which is just wrong in episode three. Yeah. I mean, that, what was that about, really? Yeah, to uh, to Ken's point about Kylo being really interesting, I mean, even down to the visuals, going back to what we were talking about with homage, one of the things that I loved about his character design is that mask that he has and how the silver lines around it were a direct echoing of the original Star Wars action figure packaging oh. with the silver runners <laughs> that ran that around it. Yeah, that was, that was intentional. Uh, picking yeah, picking up on the visuals, yeah. yeah, and seeing those things. that um, I, I think it's interesting because I, when I left the first time that I saw episode seven, I was, I was so overwhelmed. I was overloaded. I couldn't really process it. I was a mess. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I mean, for obvious reasons, uh, it, and, and I, fuck Kylo Ren, you know, but it's, there we uh, go. We now yeah. have our explicit for this episode. Yeah. yeah you had me on here. <laughs> we so explicit we can, and spoiler free yeah. or spoiler. Yeah. We can bleep it no, it's, it's cool. If, if you haven't seen it by now, we did give a spoiler alert. So, okay. but if you haven't seen it by now, we waited this long. Fair enough. Should ask that before we started, right? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Steven. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I'll drop it. Yeah, Han dies, you know, fuck Kylo Ren. There we go. Spoilers and cursing right there. I'm the guy. Um, <laughs> but, but, no, it's it's that I, I just think it's set up for just it's so interesting. And, you know, I, I'm ready for episode eight already. I mean, who isn't? <laughs> You know, you 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 leave that, and, and I don't you. Know if I am. I'm not quite done watching episode seven yet. I'm yeah. going to see it again <laughs> three times so far. But I mean, it, it is just so fun. You know? It just it uh, it raises so many questions in a good way, yeah. not in a like wait midi chlorians. Wait, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I did uh, wonder how many Ray mm-hmm. must must be coming up on because she is so intuitive to the force. That's been yeah, one his of thing the... level. I mean, his midi chlorian level is so high. <laughs> <laughs> She's, like, She's the highest one since Jesus. I mean, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the, that's a good point, though. The, the the questions you're asking whenever you leave aren't plot hole related. It's more like the universe and what's going on with the story. Like exactly. what motivates the characters. The whenever they talk about um, Kylo Ren going crazy and like mm-hmm. you know basically leaving the training stuff like that. I like thinking about that now, even if they don't explore it in like the next movie or the next one. I like that there's a universe that that's what always happened in the the older ones that I really, really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And the prequels just really didn't even bother doing that. It was like there was an atmosphere to it or there wasn't as much layers to it that I'd think about it later on. And it was a little harder because it kind of suffered from the same fate as Apollo 13 where, you know, it's like we weren't really worried if the astronauts were going to survive, you know, in the prequels we we knew, oh, this guy's going to become Darth Vader. Now we don't know. And that's, it's like I had a very strong feeling that Han was going to die in this one. And then when he walked on the bridge, oh shit, he's dead, you know, <laughs> yeah. but it's, there's so much unknown right now. And that's, you know, this is kind of a, it's a reset, but it was also like a wrath of Khan reset. Like anything can happen right now, which also to JJ Abrams history, it felt kind of like a really good episode of lost in that way. And that it's a cliffhanger. We've had development. We've seen ties with characters. We didn't think would have ties with each other. We're wondering, wait, who's related to whom? Where did this person come from? How can they do this? So yeah, it's, it's, you know, it, it, it leaves you wanting more rather than wanting someone to explain to you what just happened and how can I justify the 12 bucks I just spent? Even when, when Han does die, did you think for just a second that maybe you were going to get swerved and and <laughs> Kylo was going to say, oh, dad, and there'd be a little embrace or something? I, I, I figured he was going to die, too, as soon as they, when he walks yeah. around from that pillar and he stops for a second, he squares the jaw 
Uh-huh. There's a little thing with the, the bottom of his chin and starts taking the first step to the bridge. I'm like, oh, damn it, Harrison. You've been wanting to get rode out for 35 years and they're finally uh-huh. going to do it. Son of a bitch. Yeah. But then he gets on the bridge. And I'm like, oh, you know, he's the kid's acting a little bit and he's holding on to the lightsaber. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. this thing might get me. And then right. uh, he got zapped. I was like, damn it. Yeah, it was right and when Chewie's the... like, oh, starts going to town on everybody. <laughs> yeah. Shoots him in the gut. I'm like, yeah, Chewie, gut shot that kid. When the sun went down, that's when I knew it was on. It's like, oh, no, he's going to die now. You know, let me ask you this: Why Ben? Why would you name that kid Ben? Because Han and Leah don't really have a great connection to Kenobi. If I'm Leia putting does. those together, I mean, if we want to follow that thread, she was the one that was seeking him out in Episode Four. I would think Luke would name a kid Ben quicker than I agree, Disney. and that's that's what it was in the expanded universe that he and I think he and Mara Jade that they I don't know we may be getting too deep into geek waters here, but <laughs> yeah. but in, in the expanded universe, universe yeah, universe. that's that's ultimately <laughs> what happened, and you know, and I, I hope to see some of that. Uh, in well, episodes we, eight and nine, I think we will because you know, of course, the the big internet scuttlebutt now is whose kid is Ray, mm-hmm. and I would say Luke, but it, you know, there are those that believe Han has got another one out there. Yeah, and some people who think Snoke is Darth Vader, it's like shut the fuck. Really? Up. Well, there was yeah, a, I didn't hear that. There one. was a, a picture that I saw where they compared him, and the scar wasn't yeah. the same. You know, different oh, scars and whatnot. Like, oh, Jesus. But, you yeah. know, I heard that I heard that Finn <laughs> is, must be related to either Lando or, or Mace Windu because they're the only black people that ever been on screen. And Stephen wisely pointed out that there's a, a black pilot on in Cloud City, so I'm hoping it's yeah. that dude, whoever he was. I don't remember there being a figure for that guy. Do you have the headset? Does those pilots in Cloud City? He had the headset. No, it wasn't no, that, was, that was Lobot. That was the guy with the little oh, yeah. ring around the yeah. head thing. These yeah. the guys in the blue uh, suits with the little beanie hats kind of thing. Yeah. And I, for some reason, my guy, the guy that the, the action figure they made had a little mustache. And mm-hmm. so about him being the only mustachioed guy in the universe at the time was pretty cool. So <laughs> he rated pretty high in our, my brother and I, when we do our, our expanded universe in our basement, you know. But um, yeah, it'd be neat if they finally came back and remade that character, the black pilot, yeah. after all these years. <laughs> Do it in the classic Kenner style, the stiff-armed. You know. now, now I'm wondering, you know, what has more black people, the Star Wars universe or Utah? <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> well, looking at another thing, people were saying, well, Kylo Ren, what a weak villain. And uh, What? And No, this is, I mean, things scuttlebutt you read on the internet, and they're saying that, oh, he was taken down by, by a girl and, um, you know, somebody that's untrained. Um, saying uh, Finn, yeah, you know, oh, he doesn't. How does he wield a lightsaber? And then other people are saying, do they well, recognize he he's an apprentice? He's not Lord of the yeah. Sith yet. Yeah. Right. yeah, no, no, they don't. They just <clears throat> throw it out there. And and then you bring up that that Chewie, Chewie does a gut shot. And then then one of the things, and I thought they foreshadowed it well when they're setting it up. Where and, and at this point, all, all these years stood together, Hans never shot the bowcaster, but he's like, "Let me try that." <laughs> yeah, thing. I thought that was a little funny. <laughs> yeah. So and then he like they mm-hmm. three guys just go three stormtroopers go flying through the air. But I mean, it's 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 good in that universe to set it up and say, "Oh wait, this is a powerful weapon," and oh, he shoots him in the gut and this and that. But right. what did you guys think about him as a villain? I, I thought he was a pretty darn good villain. I, you know, to your point about the lightsaber and the untrained, because that's also been something that's popped up with Samuel Jackson talking about how, you know, how there's no skill in the lightsaber duels and um, which makes sense because the joke, you know, going around is that Anakin's super skilled, trained by the Jedi Order. Luke had one day of training with an old guy and Ray's like, hey, what's this fucking glow stick? LOL. (laughs) And excuse me, Lord Vader's calling. That's appropriate. Should we let it go a minute? <laughs> Gotta get to the good part. You're gonna get shut down for copyright with your phone. Yeah. 
That was the Imperial March by John Williams. We love you, John. We do it without permission, but with all love and respect. Thank you. But, but you only used three seconds of it, yeah, so, so you're, you're good. Good. <laughs> we're all right. Um, so what I think is, so if we go back to the prequel lightsaber battles, yeah, they were technically you know proficient and awesome, but we didn't care as much about them because there was really no story that was going on behind it. And so that's why Obi-Wan and Vader's meant more. There was more hanging in the balance. We cared more about the characters. We cared much more about Kylo and, um, or Ben and Ray. And so I think that's why, even though it's more savage and less untrained, kind of like what a couple of kids, a brother and sister would do in the backyard with sticks, how they would fight each other. You know, I kind of saw some of that and good point. and that that to me that that resonated more. And I had there was so much more emotion in that battle than all of the prequel battles, pretty much, except for maybe the last few seconds of episode three. What they, I think the pre the prequel battles were a little over the top. It was yeah. like yeah. the G.I. Joe movie. There's no realism. <laughs> like a guy jumps out of a plane. Yeah. And just the snake eyes lands on his feet and then he's <laughs> shooting. It's just like, you know, his legs would be broken. So I like the fact that this one was a little more, I was the ex- physics of it were a little In more. the prequels, I was excited for about a split second when Yoda lights up that saber. I'm like, oh, we're going to get to see Yoda do his thing. Then he bounced. Then he goes into Sonic the Hedgehog style. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. What in the blue fuck is Yeah, this? I, was, uh, I was with a friend seeing that and he just busted up laughing. And he's what? fighting like the third oldest man in the universe yeah. and Christopher Lee with... Uh, think about that for a minute. Christopher Lee, Max von Sydow, and Alec Guinness. I've never seen any of them as young people ever. There's yeah. no pictures that exist of them like not being un- over the age of <laughs> under the age of sixty. Sean Connery face age. Right. They just came out as old men. <laughs> so, like they were like the three original people. Like un- in the beginning, it was dark. Then and there was like then there was Sir Alec Guinness, Christopher Lee, and uh, Max von Sydow. So yeah, so the two of the three made it into Star Wars is pretty cool. Well, Although, the other thing with the, the lightsaber fights, uh, whenever I think about the the fight with uh, uh, Obi Wan and Vader, it's really simple and basic of them like tapping them against each other, yeah. and very yeah. lo- like it isn't a whole lot of finesse. It's a really cool fight between them. Mm-hmm. It's not about the technique; it's about see, what they're what they're doing in the fight and mm-hmm. what each of them is representing. And that's that's a more interesting battle to me than like the most pimped out one in the prequels. Absolutely. But being as young as I was then, I didn't have the connection to like Kurosawa and samurais and stuff, but. It was pretty clear from the beginning that a lightsaber is going to do some damage. I mean, mm-hmm. it cleaves through some guy's arm in the in the cantina, mm-hmm. and I took that to mean like you better go subtle with these things. You can't go swinging wildly; you cut your own head off for one. <laughs> and if not, then it doesn't take much to to get a good kill shot on a on somebody with one of those things. Yeah. So to me, that made perfect sense then. And then to Ken's point, yeah, when the prequels come around, so over the top, uh, right down to the end, as you said, the final seconds of the, the third uh, movie when they do mm-hmm. the. Uh, no, don't do it, Anakin. I've got the higher ground. He had like six feet, maybe, and uh, <laughs> and you know, one one stroke takes off three of his four limbs, and and then we have to do the whole uh, Frank and Vader sequence. Yeah. No, <laughs> which is kind of how I felt about the snow when it came over this weekend. But um, yeah, I mean, the the lightsabers kind of evolved through time with all these, you know, the permutations of you know how badass is it? Should it cleave you in a you know just a square inch of a of a touch, or you know, does it take more? Which I wondered about in this one when uh, you see the fight in the snow at the end, uh, both Kylo Ren and Finn take a good shot, or at mm-hmm. least appear to be a good shot, and apparently both survive. 
you know, to your point, I just want to back up to one of the things that you were saying of, you know, this evolution of the Jedi. I think that kind of speaks to Lucas trying to figure it out. And there's a fantastic book, The Secret History of Star Wars, that's really talks about how much of this Lucas was really trying to figure out on the fly. And that's not a criticism of him. I'm a defender of Lucas, quite honestly. But he had a few years to figure that out, though, between he did in it and it in it he kept changing it and i think that's a part of his creative mind but the problem is is that at that point he was playing with toys that other kids and kids who had become adults had claimed as their own but when jedi began they were seen as pretty much space cops and then they started to evolve into superheroes kind of like model after the was it ee smith's lensman series which is what green lanterns were based on and there was always that samurai code part of it but it was that, and he began to add in the mystical side of it, and that became even more. And, you know, we really saw that much, much more in the prequels. And I think that, and that's reflective of that. But this is, you know, it's more interesting when there was only like a couple in the universe. Mm-hmm. That, that was, it was great that when we were kids to wonder about, you know, what the Jedi were like before and fighting all the bad guys and what the Clone Wars would look like, which... I'm a little disappointed with what yeah, they actually I thought it was darker <laughs> and yeah it was you, mm-hmm. Boba Fett has the armor from the Clone mm-hmm. Wars you're like this is cool yeah yeah what mm-hmm. is that and the, the mystery in it and then it gives it all away and it's all bright and mm-hmm. yeah so that battled that early like when my brother and I went to see Empire Strikes Back as kids we had all those toys by then you know we had mm-hmm. the Death Star play set and we had all the action figures and seeing you know when Vader cuts off his son's hand and says I'm your father mm-hmm. my brother and I look at each other we're like what mm-hmm. yeah my god we've been playing it wrong for like two years now so you know that that changed our whole uh, expanded universe in the basement again which that's a reflection of lucas's creative process if you look at the first draft of empire vader was not luke's dad that didn't happen until the second draft well into Mm -hmm. like 1979 when Mm -hmm. he was still writing it and that's when things shifted like vader was originally supposed to be like more like a captain phasma kind of a person looked really cool but kind of a flunky you know took orders from other people but you know it, it he was not meant to be what he became to be it was when pop culture got a hold of him, like oh vader's awesome and and he, there was a door left open at the end you know for the sequel possibilities and whatnot back when it was thought to be star wars 2 you know but it wasn't um it, it it's just so interesting to me that how the creative process i think victor uh lucas fell victim to that point and trying to figure out where to go with a lot of these characters and trying to make things a lot more related and for you know within the second film in like as he's unfolding these other things and these connections oh vader's luke's dad you know that that's amazing but then we get to the prequel oh really anakin built 3po fuck you you know so it's like it's it's just a little bit too i want to come back to that but to your point i think the the idea that vader wasn't supposed to be the big cheese uh, at that point you know that's that makes some sense i suppose but the, the fact that I filled in all those blanks for Lucas in my head, you know, mm-hmm. as a child playing with the toys and, and then all those years went by and I, you know, I don't think I wrote like fan fiction I would have tried to send out <laughs> on the internet or anything, but mm-hmm. I had stories in my head about, you know, sure. what happened to, you know, what, fill in all those blanks for all those guys on, on the executor, you know, when Vader calls in the bounty hunters. Yeah. We, we see a little bit of Fett, but what was Dengar's story? Right. You know, what, what was Bosk such a badass about? Yeah. You know, I wanted all that stuff. So in my head, I, I filled in those blanks and. When the prequels came, they just showed and not answer any yeah. of my, my spots. Uh, I hope you realize that Star Wars was wearing spanks underneath all those sexy clothes, <laughs> right? <laughs> really, they really were. Uh, I hope that somewhere in episode eight or nine, 
we find out that 3PO has really been a rap bastard this whole time. <laughs> that that dude's been just waiting for it, waiting for it now. And that's what the Red Arm's about, that he is a, that he is the Dark Lord of the Sith. He's the, the other one. Uh, he took the Emperor's spot, and and he's been behind, cause, and he set that dude up. You know what I mean? He built that guy a long time ago. That's true. I mean, I think there's some deep, he's the deep sleeper agent, you know. <laughs> Just waiting for the act. R two is going to be a certain way, and three PO's lines are going to blink, blink, and turn red, and they shoot electricity out of everything. The and, Tatooine and, candidate, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. The Tatooine candidate, oh, dude. We just coined it. That's awesome. I'm loving that. Hey, so Jeff, do you remember when you were doing uh, Han Solo as our Macho Man as Han Solo back in the day? When I oh uh, god, <laughs> I don't really remember, but I'm, I'm sure I did. You think? Can you still do that? I don't even know what I said, though. <laughs> All right, I'll have to find a clip of that, and we'll play it. You have it. a clip of that? Yeah, yeah. We'll, I'll play oh that clip. Oh, my God. What? We'll go Dude, to... <laughs> you, were you recording me in high school? No, this was uh, this was in a movie that I did in college. Oh, that one. Okay. I don't remember what I said in there either. But... Yeah. All right, we'll play that clip, and then Most I'll Most of what I say comes out completely unthought of first. So. Yeah. And we'll give a message from our sponsors, and we'll come right back. Yeah. Never heard of the Millennium Falcon. This is against the run of the Barsex. Yeah. Dig it. <laughs> I've been really fortunate over the years. I've, I've never had any serious back problems. Uh, you know, a few times I've done something stupid, lift something heavy or lift it wrong, not with my knees. I injure myself. I was, I was taking a pool cover off one point and, uh, you know, it starts sinking in the water. Water was getting on top of it. So we kind of scooped it over. I was, I was pulling it by myself and I, it was like a big giant Santa Claus sack on steroids. I don't know, maybe it had a hundred gallons of water in there and and I'm lifting it, you know, I'm trying to pull it out of the pool and I just heard a pop and, uh, and felt the pain and knew, uh, oh, this, this is, yeah, that wasn't too good. So first thing I do, I call Dr. Mark Holland and tell him what happened. He, uh, you know, he says, ice it up, you know, lower the inflammation and then, uh, then come on in and then get an adjustment. I go get an adjustment and you had to get a few adjustments to get it back, get it back to normal. I really threw it out of whack, but over time it was good. And that's something over the years that I've done, uh, regular adjustments. I keep, uh, I keep my spine good and do a, a lot of stretching. He's a big proponent of stretching. So I told him, you know, I've been doing a lot of yoga and, you know, he's happy about that. Uh, you know, he's a passionate guy about helping his patients and one of the hardest working people I know. And I know a lot of hardworking people. Some of them you heard here on this podcast talking about what they do. And at some point we'll, we'll get some words from him and you can hear everything in his voice. And uh, if, if you ever have a car accident or anything uh like i did you know dumb little household accidents then uh you should go to cairo and rehab.com or give them a call at 636-946-7777 they have four area locations so they can help you throughout the st louis area and they're happy to help great people so one of the greatest storytellers that i've had the privilege of knowing is bob gilmore and he's not a guy that's in the field of storytelling or anything of that nature uh, but he's always had an interesting tale to tell, and he's he's one of the favorite people that I had to talk to. He's just always, it's just always interesting. He always has something funny to say, and just his delivery is great. And so, as good of a storyteller as he is, he's ten times the electrician, maybe a hundred times. I mean, he's one of the best electricians that I know. And Gilmore Electric is his company, and and as Bob tells me, no job is too big or too small. He's always there to help people, to, uh, whatever you need. You know, he'll come change a light bulb for you if you need it. He's done big commercial jobs. He's also uh, done something as simple as wiring a, a ceiling fan. A little more complicated than a light bulb thing, and I think more, more people need that than not. At least I do. 
He's bonded and insured, and he's been serving the St. Louis area in Missouri and Illinois for over 30 years. Great dude. Give him a call if you have a job coming up or something you need help with. Electricity is an area, you know, you don't want just anyone to work on it because bad things can happen. And Bob is one of the few people I trust to do this. And he can be reached at 314-565-5894. Back to some Star Wars talk. So as far as favorite characters, we have a lot of new characters. We have some classic characters. There's a lot of cameos. What Anybody have a favorite? Anybody stand well, out? When I was watching it, again, I had no expectations. I'm one of the rare, probably one of the only people that I know of that managed to dodge every clip, every trailer, every utterance. I did the I, same. I turned off, okay, good. I, I, did I, the I same. turned off Facebook. I don't want any spoilers. Yeah. So I, don't I went in there anything. and I didn't know what was going to happen. And, and there's a scene where Finn and uh, Ray are down in the smuggling compartment of the Falcon. And then they're expecting these troopers to board and the door opens and Han and Chewie come in. And he goes, Chewie. I'm home or we're home or whatever he says. And I'm like, ah, I got a little, you know, teary eyed. Mm-hmm. My, my hair, the hairs on my neck stood up. Yeah, like, chubby. Awesome. I did a little bit, a little, little full on Wookiee chubby. But I was, uh, you know, I was so excited for that. But as far as the new characters, probably Ray. Ray was yeah. really cool. Yep. She was, she was just fun to watch. Which is crazy because they're, she's not getting the credit she deserves. No, or she's not in the, are, in the Monopoly game. She's not. And I don't want to make this real, you know, social, sociopolitical or anything, but. And you consider that this new movie features a black man and a, and a young woman in the two main lead roles mm-hmm. in the new the new series. That's that's something Hollywood doesn't do a whole lot yeah. of. Let's be frank, you know. Yep. Mm-hmm. So which great cool. touch, yeah. yeah. It's, so it expands to a new audience, exactly. And whether whether or not story wise works great, but you look at that and you're saying, wow, here's here's an audience that may have been alienated in the past. Now we have a super strong female. And I'm sure character. when Don Trump sees this, he's gonna be like, oh, they got jungle fever. We're not having this. And he'll, <laughs> he'll say something really stupid, but like I just did. There you go, Don. You can have that one for free. Well, I think he's he's more. There's really no Hispanic characters, so he, as long as there's any okay. ISIS characters in there, any, <laughs> any Arabic looking people, which is you know, I have nothing against anybody except Jar Jar. <laughs> He's Rastafarian. And I don't have a problem with Rastafarians, just that one. So, it, it, and what you were saying about you know favorite characters, and I, I want to continue what you're saying, and that more broadly, I'm I was so excited to see how uh, the Star Wars was embracing uh, the fact that it wasn't so damn white and it wasn't so damn male because you know that was the whole joke, and that we had to wait till Return of the Jedi to see a second female, you know, Mon Mothma, right? You know, and this you have females, you know good females and bad females we have captain phasma we have you know there are people that are on the empire that are that are um that are female they're working the bridge and the controls and uh not all the evil british uh, not all the evil empire people have british accents like they did you know Most in the do. originals yeah some of them do but um what was the general's name general weasley was it the uh, <laughs> yeah uh yeah one of the weasleys um general hux yeah right. what are they calling him it's uh He's the the evil ginger lord or something like that online. <laughs> well, he has no soul, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Made him choke up on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but looking at that, yeah, it's nice to see diverse characters, and, and who knows how they expand that in, in Episode Eight, well, what do they do in, in maybe the spinoff movies. Again, I tried to avoid all the trailers, but you couldn't help but hear all the, the fervor when the first thing came out, and everybody mm-hmm. said, oh, my God, there's a black stormtrooper. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, well, 
duh, when Leia sees Luke and he goes, aren't you, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Aren't, aren't you a little black clue? for a stormtrooper? Was yeah. like, Wilt Chamberlain. Was, right. All the other Kareem, stormtroopers were Shaq, clones you know. of Wilt or Kareem. Well, that's the other thing. Everybody keeps saying, well, they were all clones. I'm like, no, they weren't. Django, you know, cloned a bunch of them back in the day, but they blew up that, that clone station. And then, like, I don't know, what, 20 years pass or something before young uh, Skywalker blows up the first Death Star? So you can't just assume that, you know, they're still cloning after all that time. But it's funny... Uh, that when I was a kid, I never even thought of the stormtroopers as being humans. Mm-hmm. I always thought of them as being, you know, like really lifelike kind of robots. Mm. They're yeah. all the same, which I know yeah. is the point of the film and to, you know, to the commentary they're really making about fascism and how when everyone is conforming and in this line, they don't have individual personalities. But I, when I was a kid, I never really even thought of, even when Luke and Han, you know, put on those outfits, I never thought, what do those other guys look like underneath it? I guess they, I guess they disapparated and just, you know, fade into whatever, but I never thought of them as being individuals. And I guess that's even true in the film because it's FN2187. He's not an individual until Poe says, I'm going to call you Finn. And that's when he gets his name. So I guess that's, you know, that's, that's, I hadn't even thought about that. Until There's another cool now. character, Poe, I thought was really, yes. really fun to watch. Uh, is That sequence they shoot where uh, Finn's running around on the ground and Poe comes in with mm-hmm. the, and the X-Wing and lights up about eight uh, TIE fighters and then shoots up a bunch of stormtroopers and Finn's, you know, having a real exuberant celebration. Yeah. Like, Look at that guy go. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that guy, you know, he gives Luke a run for his money as a pilot. Yeah. No, yeah. He, is he going to be the, the main character in Rogue One, the spinoff? Is, is that his I character? No idea. I'm I don't trying to avoid so. all that again. I think Rogue One is set before. Yeah, I think it's it's basically the, taken from the piece of the, the 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 intro text where they talk about the rebel spies who got the Star War uh, the the Death Star's plans. The whole movie's based around okay that. the original Death Star or the or the, last the original one? like uh-huh. which are, I think it would have been the original one where they say like the the rebel spies get the the plans for See, Death I'm, Star. Oh, and yeah, the, the whole I'm thing dying is dying to know what a Bothan looks like. Yeah, many Bothans die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good you point. don't know what any of them yeah, look like. Yeah. They might be like rancors. They might be like Jawas, but yeah. they died. You know, I kind of want to see that story. That's what makes them so good at being spies. No one knows what they look like. Oh, that's a good. Yeah. <laughs> well, out of out of characters, like uh, Ray was definitely my favorite. But what I noticed about uh, Ray and Finn that I liked because it almost felt like they put a character of the audience in the movie that they're discovering things. Mm-hmm. So whenever they see the lightsaber light, he's like, what do I do if this thing <laughs> turns it on? That's cool because it's basically them rediscovering the, that universe. And then you're along the ride with them. So basically I never really leave things from their perspective of like Ray and like wherever she is, she's confused, doesn't know stuff. Like so many things have happened that you don't know. So it's almost like you're discovering stuff at the same time that whenever she discovers her power, she's starting to figure it out. I kind of feel like it's not, maybe it's not innocence, but it's just growing up. And the fact that they're young, that's what made me enjoy it so much. Like that's, so the character, it isn't like a specific character. It's more like the perspective of the characters that I really, really liked. So that's what made it more fun and engaging to see. And you can tell it's totally like somebody making the movie from the perspective of being a huge fan of it. They wanted to have that same feeling. So the characters are basically kind of discovering it as they're basically making another universe or expanding on it. That's from that same perspective. That makes sense. It makes it accessible. Whereas the prequels are impermeable unless you are a star Wars fan. Yeah. And that, and that's why I think that I can enjoy the prequels as star Wars movies, but as movies, no, 
and even to Good Return point. of the Jedi to a point, but I can enjoy Star Wars and Empire and and now Force Awakens as movies on their own because they <laughs> are uh, audience friendly and that they want to introduce you to this world in a way that's not so intimidating or presumes that oh you're coming to this with 25 years of love and you know it's you know there's a certain arrogance to the prequels and you know how much crap they're putting out there even the opening crawl of the prequels when it's talking about the taxation of you yeah. know trade routes it's like <laughs> really you know yeah, it's yeah. Like, it's i think like you got to take into consideration the directors because jj who again i'm not usually enamored with too much he came at this as a total fanboy. Mm-hmm. He was like, God damn, don't let me fuck this up. Yep. If I screw yep. this yep. up, I'm going to get a lightsaber up every orifice I got. Yeah. And right. George is like, it's my world. I'll do whatever I want. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. And, and to Lucas's credit, it's that he was, he did experiment. And that's, you know, what he said. Was it the Charlie Rose interviews that have come out have been so controversial? And that he's like, man, it was so retro. And that's not what I would have done. Lucas has been consistently experimenting and tweaking and no Phantom Menace wasn't that great attack of the clones, you know, left a lot to be desired. I, I enjoyed revenge of the Sith, but you know, by and large he has, he's challenged and he's experimented. And that's been his whole thing. And what he said, you know, his entire life, you know, is that uh, I, I want to get done with Star Wars and I want to get on to more experimental things. Well, the truth is that like Star Indiana Wars Jones has six. been the experimental mm-hmm. movie. It has been the experimental project and all the tweaks that he's done. And it's so interesting to me that he's continually tweaked and evolved. And, and now he, you know, the, the analogy that he used with Charlie Rose, which is so heartbreaking to me, but I get it. He says, it's like when you break up with somebody, you don't drive by the old girlfriend's house. I can only imagine how, how this is just ripping his heart out to see that JJ and Lawrence cast, and they're getting the accolades where when Venice came out, people were saying, George Lucas raped my childhood. You know, and George, if you know anything about <laughs> George Lucas, he's a, he's a super sensitive dude. Yes, a billionaire, but even billionaires mm-hmm. have feelings yeah, yeah. Well, and is. they crave that approval. I cannot be George Lucas. I could no, you could not pay me enough money to be him and to, to deal with the vitriol that he's dealt with. It's no wonder why he wanted to sell this off. Right. And now it's just like, man, I broke up with this girl and now she's dating this, you know, billionaire and she's really happy and I'm single again. And I've got to go upload my profile to match.com again and see what's out there. <laughs> it's the Beatles, you know? It goes back to the Beatles money. Can't buy you love. I mean, he, he, he got filthy rich on a, a, an idea that frankly, nobody in Hollywood wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know how many times he got rejected for finally got greenlit to do this mm-hmm. several times, tried several by times. flash Gordon. And you know, he, he finally gets his way, makes his first movie. It goes apeshit crazy. Everybody in the universe, you know, watches it. I don't know how many copies I had on VHS that I burned <laughs> through, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably on DVD at least more than once. Uh, watched it a million times on cable. Mm-hmm. Watched it in the theaters three or four times. Watched the uh, the edited versions when they came out and cleaned up the graphics and everything. Right. Uh, leading into the prequels. Uh, you know, did all that. And, you know, I, I love him for what he did with, with sound effects, for special effects, mm-hmm. for, you know, he's completely changed the craft of movie making. I can't yes. attest to that. You know, a lot of things that we take for granted nowadays, George invented. Yes. So without him, we don't have what we got today. We don't get Avatar. We don't get Titanic. We don't get this movie we're enjoying tonight. Pixar. Pixar. Oh, yeah. yeah. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. You know, but uh, we also, unfortunately, the man told one good story and three really lousy ones. <laughs> and, and Howard the Duck. <laughs> American Graffiti was pretty good. I vaguely American, remember that one. That was very good. I remember watching and THX, whatever the numbers were. One one three eight. And I was well, there's a there's probably a, beyond me on that one. There's a good uh, um, 
a video series. I think the the company or the guys the guys company is called Red Letter Media. Have you guys yes. seen that? Mm-hmm. Like so that. that's that's a really good analysis of why the prequels fail in comparison to the newer ones. But uh, or I mean the original ones. But he basically a variety of points where he says like. He's basically got everyone saying yes to his ideas mm-hmm. because now he's proven his success and he doesn't have to like have resistance against any of his ideas. He's it's basically all his money. Yeah, it's basically like less of an uphill battle. Yeah, for the for the prequels that well, it's not really an uphill battle anymore and he's anyone who's gonna uh, challenge him on the idea probably won't because he's he's paying him for it. Well that, to that point though, as I recall, and you can correct me on this, I thought I remember hearing that when he especially on the first one, when he was putting out was it a the Phantom Menace, right? That was the First prequel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When he was putting that out, it was uh, Ron Howard and Spielberg and all of his buddies, his, his Hollywood friends, who came to watch like a early screener of it. And nobody said, George, uh, this charger doesn't work. The pod race is kind of lame. Really? You got Greg Proopst? Why? <laughs> you know, um, nobody called him out on any of it. I guess Tarantino wasn't there. <laughs> Or uh, Mill Brooks. Well, that's Mill Brooks never even tried to I'm, do I'm speaking like prequel, purely you know? of people on his crew and people working well, yeah, of on course, it. They're never yeah. going to say anything. They're they're not going to say anything. But the I only mean, one who would was Liam. But like, if if you had a producer who's just like, I think this is a terrible idea. This doesn't make sense. That's a totally different dynamic than a guy who's basically, right. like you said, had been rejected so many times. Well, he really has it. to prove his ideas. He's going to basically in that in that situation. If I got that much resistance, I'd have to figure out why I care about the idea enough to push it so hard that I could get no after no after no and still want to do it it's a totally different dynamic in a creative world where you're basically getting a yes no matter what you do and then you could basically go off at a deep end it'd be like i don't know heavy metal band does their does their jazz album like really should you even actually consider doing that Modern like why Metallica. are you wanting to yeah yeah like metal could be a great parallel for it of totally de- getting derailed by basically everyone being like yes <laughs> you're a genius i think there's a great sadness in george lucas in that when his life story is filmed years from now, it, it could parallel Citizen Kane and that he started out so ambitious, had so much success, so young, like Hearst, like Wells. And, but in the end, he became the thing that he did not want to come, the thing that he was fighting against. He didn't want to be a big studio. And so that's why he wanted to make these small movies. And, you know, uh, on, on, uh, uh, Star Wars, you know, A New Hope, and then Empire. He had uh, Gary Kurtz as his producer, and uh, Gary was spending money and really working with Irvin Kershner, and that's the budget was being blown. And George was even on record as saying that Empire didn't have to be as good as it actually was, and that he was frustrated in how long they were taking, how much money was spent. And that's a big reason why Kirsch didn't come back uh, for Jedi. And that's when he started to get more yes men like Richard Marquand on Jedi and why Rick McCallum, you know, with the prequels and people that would say yes. And I think, and this is the therapist side of me coming through, is that when George George was divorced from Marsha Lucas, who was his editor, uh, especially on the first two movies, I don't know if she edited the third, but so much was lost in the warmth and the editing and that there's a story that Mark Hamill, I think, tells where when George was putting the original cut of uh, of A New Hope together with the, the bridge uh, swinging sequence where Leia gives Luke the kiss for luck, that in George's edit, it didn't have that. And Marsha's like, no, you've got to have that. That's what gives, you know, it's funny, it's cute, it's sweet. That's what gives it humanity. And that's that kind of 
not having those things, I think is, and plus the green screen stuff we talked about is what added to that sterility of the prequels. And it's like all the romance feel felt so forced. And mm-hmm. I think that's reflective yeah. of the creator, George Lucas, who has issues with feelings and discussion mm-hmm. and talking about very things. analytical. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 There was better romance in Saved by the Bell. Yeah, I cried when Zach and Kelly broke up. Oh, so bad. And fuck Jeff. What do you guys think? You guys know that uh, Ryan Johnson's slated for the next one. Mm -hmm. Uh, What What did you guys think about that? Whenever you heard about it, admittedly, I don't even know who that is. Uh, He did Looper and Brick. I haven't seen Looper yet, but I've heard great things about (laughs) Looper. Looper, I really like. It's Uh, a good flick. Uh, I would say, okay, so the fact that I don't know who he is actually doesn't bother me in the slightest. I'm I'm probably better off having somebody to to be as a a no name like uh, I didn't know Gunn when he took Guardians of the Galaxy. I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> I, I and that movie say, I, was freaking great. <laughs> I would say it is. It's it's a it's a, a weird choice, but one thing that's common with his stuff is it's usually pretty dark tone, uh, like pretty I heavy. Heard the script today, I read somewhere that the script for this new one is going to be really dark. Yeah, I, I could I could believe it, but he's he has not done anything huge. But uh, Looper was a really well done, really well done movie one of the more original sci-fi movies I've seen and brick I'd recommend you check out too, but um, he's a really good choice for it. Um, uh, I I think like you said with Abrams too, I'm not really much of a fan, but he was the perfect balance for something like this, especially like doing an intro to like coming back to the universe. He was a great pick for it. Well, Stephen was just saying, you know, George being as reserved and, and introverted, I guess, as he is, I don't think he would have ever, come in and really shown us how a Sith is born. And I got a feeling that's what we're going to see with Kylo Ren. Yeah. You know, he, he, he hints to it. You show, you show the daycare for the Jedis and, and Annie goes in with his lightsaber and then the cut and everybody's dead or you assume so. He didn't show us, show him mowing down all the sand people. Um, you know, so I, I think we're going to get, maybe not fortuitous, it's not going to be Tarantino's hateful eight starring Kylo Ren and <laughs> a whole bunch of down dead people. But uh, it's going to be probably more in your face than what we've seen before at yeah. least it it better be because i mean uh, we don't really have a good touchstone of what a sith is mm-hmm. we see the emperor and he's all gnarly and everything but mm-hmm. he's just been kind of an asshole since day one so yeah. you know who i trust more than you know director selections is i really trust disney they have just really gotten it right with this and what they've done with the marvel properties oh, yeah. and making that, their own money they got their own print they they know enough to let the people who love the material to do it unlike warner who it, they just keep fucking up dc properties oh, and characters God. they just cannot get out of their own way whereas disney's like you guys make your own films we'll market bb8 oranges you know so it's <laughs> it's like disney wait wait, wait that bb8 oranges yeah it was a bag of oranges with the BB-8 on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I thought they it. were like little hybrid no. that like little No, this is literally a no. sack of oranges. <laughs> I was like, I'm down with that. Let me go get some right now. It'd be no. like if I gave you a crayon and Maybe then I, get I wrote BB-8 on thing. it and gave it to you. It'd be a BB-8 crayon. It'd be orange. That might be it, but that was it. This episode is sponsored by BB-8 Oranges. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fantastic. Awesome. <laughs> Just giving them out all over the place. Go down to your local Schnooks or Kroger and get one today. You know. Well, well when you talk about as well, you talk about the vitriol with that Lucas is going through, and what about Carrie Fisher? And she's just throwing it out there and mm. saying, "Hey, I love Carrie Fisher. You know what? I've aged. We'll get yeah. get with it." And she's just right. ripping on these internet trolls. You know yeah. that and Luke, uh, both of I think a stories were out there about their their weight. Mm-hmm. I mean, hey, oh yeah, they had apparently they had to. I've had, never had to go on a weight loss plan. And, I've never been considered skinny, but I'm you know twenty years is going to happen. So mm-hmm. uh, thirty, whatever it was that you know the time there. Um, 
I, I got no problem with either of them. And I, I thought Leo came off really well. Mm-hmm. She's still the general. Yeah. I, I do find it a little unusual that they are the Republic and the Resistance. Yeah, that, so that was one of the things that I had to go to the DK visual guide of Star Wars <laughs> to get some clarity on. And basically it's that you have the New Republic government, which I think was pretty much blown up in this movie when they blew up the planet um, in uh, in Episode 7. And the Resistance is pretty much a private military contracting firm that it's like, okay, we're going to be like Jack Bauer and the counterterrorism unit that's okay. going to go after this new order. That was not really explained so, well uh, at so all. One thing, the one drop I thought was that I thought the new order should have been the new rebellion fighting back mm. to get their empire back. And mm. I didn't get that. I'm like, well, they're still pretty empirical yeah. right mm-hmm. down to their very fastest, you know, rally outside with the look like, you know, Tiananmen Square or, or Moscow, you know. And, and I think that, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, Triumph of the will. That, yes. Yeah. I think that there's going to be, um, some more fusing of kind of Sith church and state with the new order. And that's kind of been hinted at with, um, I see, uh, Snoke, you know, kind of, uh, wanting to put that in position. There's been some other nerd stuff. I won't go into too details, but with the technology that's powering the, the yeah, new, uh, 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 cruisers that it's Sith related and all that. But that's yeah, again, I wasn't going to go into like how you can move a, a sun into a planet. Yeah. That whole thing, yeah, we're not going to go there. It goes Neil into deGrasse, like, Neil deGrasse Tyson can take care of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it goes to like kyber crystals and all these other things that are, you know, with Star Wars expanded universe lore and how that plays into this. But we don't really know. And so much of this is guesswork. And it's one of the things we were talking about before the break that I love about this stage of Star Wars that does remind me when I was a child and that my sister and I, we would have you know, we would stay up night and talk about, you know, who should Leia be with? Should he be with, should she be with Luke? Should she be with Han? This is pre Jedi. These are the things that we didn't know. And some, because we've grown up with digital versions of these movies that are instant access, there's no wait in between them. It's like, it takes me back to that time when we had to wait three years to find out what was going to happen. That was a question Lucas should have asked before he did empire. <laughs> Cause when Leah's putting the smooch on Luke and Hoth, you're like, Oh, here we go. And then, you know, that she's giving it to Han, and then she loves Han at the end, and he knows. And then in <laughs> Jedi, uh, you know, she, she, you're my sister. And she's like, yeah, I know. Somehow I've always known, or at least since Hawthorne, it was, felt like I was kissing my brother. <laughs> you know, it, was, it got a little Arkansas there. It kind of got a little weird for me. Um, <laughs> Arkansas represent. Right. Hey, well, that, wasn't, that was another Steven thing. is from Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just met Steven the night, so I'm probably not And I just st- talked about my sister, so. Um, <laughs> No, but 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 to that is that even going back to Lucas and the creative process, he's didn't that other that he mentioned in Empire that was designed for episodes seven, eight, and nine, the sequel trilogy. He didn't decide; he had to give it to somebody when he was writing Jedi. He's like, well, since I've decided that I don't want to do seven, eight, and nine, I'll just make Leia. You know, she'll be the other. So it was kind of like again a shoehorn. That was one of the first, I think questionable shoehorns but had he stopped there and then we started getting 3po made by anakin r2d2 can fly all yeah, this it's other too interconnected. stuff it's it's uh it's too much interwoven mm-hmm. uh to connect to the it, a lot of it's forced no pun intended <laughs> before we run out of time let's talk about luke for a quick sec mm-hmm. he says nothing in this movie yep. how awesome was that just the visuals just the the facial expressions yeah. Uh, I thought the, the, the girl that played Ray, I'm sorry, I can't even think of the actress's name. Daisy Ridley. Thank you. Uh, her, her, not frown, but her like furrowed brow and the look of, yeah. please take it, we need you. And him look, I couldn't tell if he was looking at her or the lightsaber from you know any particular point. I've seen it three times, so I still can't figure it out. I think that, yeah, that would be intentional. The, the, the ambiguity of that and the fact that he doesn't say a word 
Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, this is cool. This mm-hmm. is so cool. And then they play the end credits. I'm like, no, yeah, you know, if they would have gone a, a one second further into that, had another piece of dialogue, that would have been like a been shitty wrong. cliffhanger. It, it would have been, been wrong. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> no dialogue ex- exchange there was like the best way to and do it. And as I was driving home from that first showing, I thought, you know, the horrible things they could have done there. Like every time I think I'm out, they bring me back in. You know, I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to yeah. go into the, you know, Al Pacino or anything. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, like uh, a good acting like that is, is, I mean, that's just, I, I'm able to fill in the blanks with whatever I want and it's not really right or wrong. But, you know, like you said, she has a look of frustration on her face, also kind of like desperation. And his is like, I saw his face and he's kind of like, oh, it's, it's time. And I also don't want it to be time. Like almost right. a mix exactly. of like for him to like leave all that stuff and just basically leave people and not want to help. All he wanted to do was help people in the and the, the older ones. He always seemed to be like overextending himself and trying to help everybody. I, I think it's weird to see him just disappear. So I'm really interested to see whatever happened and made him leave. After all this yeah, time. yeah. Yeah. But what is the deal with so it's it seems like these Jedi masters that go off, let me train this guy. Oh, things aren't going good, so I'm just gonna disappear and then they're they're all screwed up in their head and they're that's true. Just, That's a good point. You, I mean, you know, it's just ah, Obi Wan fails. And with it's like, it, with hey, Andy. man, you sh- maybe if you stuck around a little bit, it's like an, the absentee father. It's just yeah. like, hey, yeah. your kid's throwing a tantrum and if every high school breaking teacher, shit up. But you if sh- every high school teacher I had like just quit after they had me, I mean, I would have been a complete shithead and <laughs> and would learn nothing. You know, so every time uh, Annie got out of line with Obi Wan, he just goes off to be a hermit. He splits. And Luke, yeah. Luke goes off to be a hermit after he fails with with Kylo Ren, apparently. Well, if we look at it as echoes of the the previous trilogy or the the original trilogy, then Obi Wan went into hiding to protect Luke. So I'm guessing Luke goes into hiding to protect Rey from Kylo Ren. Um, that's my guess is that it's his daughter in some way, and that the only way to make her safe is to drop her off on a planet. You know, that's how what happened with him. And when she's ready, you know, this is what will come around in time because that's how the Tao of the Force works. A long, long time ago in a galaxy far, mm-hmm. far away, this was how boarding school worked. <laughs> in Utah, yeah. In Utah. In the desert, like, thanks for dropping me in the that's, desert. That's something, like, it, you know, you mentioned early, right at the outset, I think, about whether or not this was too derivative, I think. Or I don't know if you put it. Or that, that's, that's what some people are saying. I, I thought I, it was, was good. I, I, I thought it was it. not so much derivative, but parallel on purpose because... Mm-hmm. If Luke went, really wanted her to get kind of in touch with the Force and be a little more self-sufficient and not just be kind of a pampered daughter of the greatest Jedi currently living, you would drop her off on a desert planet right. like he had, you know, and the Tatooine's been done. Right. So you create this other one and sort of parallel that. I had no problem with it. I, I agree. He tried to teach Ben. Ben, you know, pulled it in. I had a little more of a problem with the giant round destruction orb in space again. You know. Yeah. I'm like. That they've done that trick three times out of four movies. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's a little overplayed. And then they okay, let's drain our sun. All right, we have two suns. We'll drain one. We'll blow up these other planets. That's cool. Oh, let's drain our second sun. Where, where the hell are they going to go? <laughs> well, I, I did. I did, <laughs> so hear, I did no hear. A, I did hear a good criticism where like someone said, uh, "Oh, another Death Star. This time it's just a planet, and it shoots off a laser." I was like, "Well, like someone basically said, every time you'd hear about you know like an arms race, it's like, well, we've got a bigger gun. Well, my gun's bigger, and yeah. then also it's like my That's bomb's true. bigger, and now my other like there's not a whole lot of originality for like." that kind of, you know, society right. that's basically just trying to outdo itself every exactly. single time. But this, that seems like this, the, this planetary, you know, blaster thing has a uh, ability to shoot the laser out and then it's forks into like six yeah. streams at the last like second. Sperm. It's yeah. just, <laughs> I, I was thinking more like a Merv warhead, you know, but if you want to yeah. go sperm, we can do that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> skeet, skeet, skeet is basically what that thing just did all over the galaxy. So it's just, it's just a damn shame. Um, 
I had another point I was going to make, but I completely lost it. Yeah, thanks, Ken. <laughs> Rather than a single laser, it splits off into six. Does that help? Yeah, that's right. right. It's oh, done. Okay. It's, it's done. Sperm. It's past yeah. sperm. We're on sperm now. Well, looking at another theory that I had heard or read, and everybody's throwing out theories, but I thought this was an interesting one that that Anakin was really or Obi Wan when they said, "Oh, I, Anakin," I haven't heard that name in a long time. That he was actually Anakin, and that Obi Wan they kind of changed places. So what? what? I don't know. It's something I Somebody read. Ken, you're no girl. longer allowed to read the internet. That's that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, oh that's, that's up there with uh, Ben Affleck is not actually Batman, and how the V and Batman and Superman actually stands for five, and it's just you know it, that's that's up there with the greatest creation myths I've ever heard, and trying to justify and explain something. That's right up there with the <laughs> No, there's crazy things you hear on the internet. There's just so much out there. If you, if I you want to out, are your headphones made from authentic? Maybe. If you want to raise your blood okay. blood pressure, go find the. You uh, should get some Huffington Post articles and then read the. Uh, I think Matt Granger's the guy's name uh, who basically did a point yeah, response for everything response. in it. I, I read both and it was hilarious. But yeah. basically, uh, first of all, like the Huffington Post thing, plot hole is not actually defined accurately in like the majority of it. They're not no. plot holes. Uh, but I mean, anybody can pick something. Apart. I would have done it this way, but. Yeah, but anyway, like a, that that's like an entertaining read because the guy basically just, you know, points out something simple of like, you know, you didn't watch the scene and see stuff happening in the background. You're just focused on this one thing. And right. they, at the end of the article, he's like, I wanted to find out who this guy was. And it was basically a like 40 something like Harvard Law School guy <laughs> writing for Huffington Post who just wrote like an article that basically, you know, clickbait to get people to go to it's it and read it. percent of upper right. and Yeah, yeah. But uh, the, the guy's response in, in defense of it is like, he's like, I wanted to actually sit down and review the movie, soak it up, watch it several times and really absorb it and then write a review. And he's like, instead it turned into me like kind of not defending the movie but basically uh pointing out a lot of the stuff has been thought out and laid out it's not a whole you know if you think about whenever abrams goes through it and all the writers they put a lot of time and energy into thinking about how stuff sits in the universe besides all, all the fan fiction stuff and all that stuff being interwoven into it properly and not you know being inconsistent they there's a lot of detail in everything in that movie that it, that's why i'm still thinking about it mm-hmm. like the right. background stories for characters that you see for like 10 seconds in the movie, uh, like Captain Phasma or whatever. I'm, I'm already thinking about background stuff for that person. Exactly. That's what's enjoyable about it. Those wouldn't be plot holes. They would be, you know, movie Some, uh, story candy or something to that somebody effect. Somebody in my day job asked me today a little bit about it, and they said, you know, how was it with all the old guys coming back? And I got to thinking about that some after we talked. Uh, the nostalgia factor being what it is. Um, when Han and Chewie got on board, that was, you know, again, my mm. favorite spot. But when Han walks into the... Uh, cockpit after uh, Ray incorrectly says 14 parsecs he's like 12 uh, when he's standing in there and he kind of grabs the chair and has a little nod and look around it's a little schmaltzy I'll, I'll admit to that uh, but later on when they're talking about how they're going to attack the, the, the star killer planet and Akbar of all people is in there mm-hmm. they have shields it's a trap <laughs> and, you know, and I'm like oh, really hmm. you know it's hilarious I'm giggling and then Han goes We've been here. We've done that. Kid, how do we get in there? they, they got to have an exhaust port or something. You know, I mean, yeah. that was a straight up nod to the other one. Mm-hmm. And how, yeah, we know we're ripping off Star Wars again, but yeah. damn it, it works. And, yeah. Well, how know, about when they, they go to the planet in, in warp speed? It's like, oh, we got this. And we'll pull the warp speed. And poof, and it's bouncing. The yeah. Millennium Falcon. That was Harrison pretty, pretty owns this movie. I mean, we, we yeah. like the new characters and, and they're the actual, you know, the linchpins. We, we don't have a eight or nine without it. But this was Harrison the Swan song yes. for, for this. And Although he signed on for eight. 
What? Oh, yeah. is he going to be at the foot of somebody's bed later? Or flashback was the other other thing that yeah. there was other related stuff that they would edit in for that. So nobody mm-hmm. knows, but maybe they'll make him a cyborg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's got a robotic arm and or robotic <laughs> part of his chest. He's now one with the force. He'll be a ghost. Darth Solo. (laughs) I thought that was really interesting uh, when we talk about repetition of themes and that in the exact place in episode four where Han says, you know, it's a lot of simple tricks and nonsense. I don't, you know, there's no, you know, powerful energy field that controls my destiny. Fast forward 30 years later, Mm -hmm. he's telling the next generation it's true. All of it. Oh, that was just such a great. At about the same point in the movie, right? Um, Thereabouts, it was right after they blasted off from the desert planet while trying to find you know the place that they're trying to go to next, the rebellion. So, yeah, pretty much that's that's pretty smart. Yeah. Did you guys see uh Tron 2 by any chance? Yeah, yes. Did you notice during that movie how derivative that was of Star Wars? Mm-mm. I mean, they have a fight scene in a bar, the old guy comes yeah, and rescues yeah. him, the kid's real cocky, they get in on board that cyber ship thing, and uh, you shoot somebody and he's like, I got. One of the great, great kid. I mean, almost line for line. Yeah. Um, the one thing I remember that felt schmaltzy. This one somehow felt, yeah. as you said in the beginning, a homage. I, I, the one thing I remember from Tron too is I saw it with Jeremy Corey, who you know does Voltron or did Voltron and a bunch of other things, and he um, <laughs> at one point he leaned over. It's like I don't know during one of the chase scenes with the Tron plane or something. He leans over to me. And he's like, "We're gonna make some fucking toys." He's <laughs> 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 like, "Is it a commercial?" Well, the the, the advantage of doing. Uh, something that um, follows the same beat from before is that they do have the opportunity to basically throw things totally out the window whenever they want. Yeah. So if you're set up for expectation of something happening again at a certain moment, they can totally throw that out. I mean, if if you're trying to follow the same tempo for something like that, um, you know, kind of like at the end with the battle of uh, Ray uh, and Kylo Ren, uh, there's that separation there, and then they get split off. He's still alive. She's still alive. In fact, everyone's still alive at that point. I think at that point, maybe in some version, he would have died at that point, and then someone else just comes in and takes well, his place. Yeah, I, I, I hate when they kill off a good villain in movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. Before getting, getting a, like a lot of mileage out yeah, of Darth Yeah, Maul. Darth Maul would have been Django so awesome Fett. going to. Yeah. Django Fett. Django yeah. Fett, for that matter. Yeah, yeah. 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 Boba yeah. Fett gets mm-hmm. accidentally knocked so, off. So speaking of, what, what are some favorite parts of the movie? We'll, we'll kind of end on that. We'll, we'll end on predictions of what's going to happen in the next movies, but what are some favorite parts in this movie? What, what stood out to you that you were just like, yeah. I mean, Jeff, you've talked about a few well, already. Yeah. Um, like to, to what Matthew was just saying, the, the scene where it felt like it could end, you know, where everybody comes home and, and Han isn't with them and, and Chewie goes off to, to kind of mourn a little. Yeah. Um, and I kind of thought that was going to be the, you know, the grand announcement where they you know, somebody will get a medal and that, that kind of be the end. Uh, that bit with Luke at the end, just the fact that it was silent and the visuals were so so sweeping and powerful that really got me. It's a real location and off of the coast of Ireland. That's that what way. I heard. Today. Yes. Yeah, awesome. that was that was extraordinary. And for that to be, I mean, it felt a little tacked on admittedly because, like I said, it could have been a clean finish, and then they said, oh, "We're going to do this other thing." And but when, when it finally goes to the credits, I'm like, "Damn it! Don't tease me like that again." How long now? Two more years? Bullshit! You know, I was I was fired up for that, but it was good. I enjoyed. Uh, I enjoyed quite a bit of it. I really wasn't anything. I just groaned and shook my head at. Yeah, I, I thought I loved the part when Finn and Ray are running, and he says, "How about that ship? Yeah, that's a piece of junk. <laughs> Let's go to this one." And they show that <laughs> the, the piece of junk will work. Yeah. The thing gets blown up. The piece of junk will work. Yeah, and then they they cut to the shot. If and I can interject, Falcon, right, you're like, "Whoa!" Yeah. If I can interject right there, I will say that my least favorite character in the new movie was a junk guy. The guy who's like, "That's my ship." Yeah, yeah. Who the hell was that guy? Yeah, he was a little, little Wasn't like that Simon Pegg. 
I think it was. It might have been. Might have been. Yeah. He wasn't nearly as cool as Daniel Craig. Double <laughs> <laughs> O Stormtrooper. What about you, Matt? What are a couple parts that you just thought were amazing? <clears throat> um, I don't know. I mean, like, I didn't have like the the ending of it's perfect. It's a perfect setup for it, and all it did was get me to think about what's going to happen next. Like, I think there there'll probably be like a like a war of some kind, and the, they'll they'll be uh it'll oh, get really really dark. We're not and, on predictions yet. Oh, uh, no, but go ahead, finish. <laughs> well, um, out, if if there's like any scenes that stand out, um, <clears throat> the 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 point where the point where Finn's like, I'm going to walk away and leave. Like that was like a point where things got really bad for everybody, and the only reason they survived was they ended up deciding to help each other. I think that's what would separate the good guys from the bad guys. So you don't even care who's fighting for what ideal or anything like that. That's where the like the rhythm of the movie changed for me, and all the characters have been set up until that point, and then I get to see him execute everything after that. So people are figuring things out. They're learning their skills. Like at that point, Ray already had an idea that I can do some force stuff. Like she doesn't know what what it is that she's doing, but she knows she has power. Same thing with like Finn. He has the, he can acknowledge the power, walk away from it, decides to take it up and do it and like help them out. Same thing with Han. He makes the decision that I can walk away from this or I can face it. Most likely he's going to die. Like I, I think he knew he was going to die. He knew he's going to walk out into a bridge with a guy with a sword who's basically already killed a lot of people and has already done a lot of bad things it was basically like i don't want to live with with a a terrible kid anymore i'd rather be try to be a good father one last time and then dies so i guess i guess probably that that moment on the catwalk and everything that follows with that is just like everything snaps like everything was built up i think leia knew how unstable he was that was yeah. her son and he's like and she's pissed at han because he took off her <laughs> so many years this she's is like, your fault talk to him you can bring him back and then he's like hey son and, and she's like you bastard <laughs> I, but, go ahead Steven. that was um my favorite moment was a moment unlike anything we've ever seen in a star wars movie and it's when han and leia see each other again when she comes off of the the landing ship and then when they say goodbye and this moment, it's a really complex relationship in that here's a couple that they tried to make things work. It didn't. And they got numb to it by drowning themselves in things that that defined their characters. Hers, the government and leading people and his was being a smuggler. And it was, there was just something that and it particularly resonated with me. And just in this, it's a bittersweet moment of a relationship. They tried to make it work. It didn't. You know, and there's no, there's not like this hardcore animosity that exists between them. They still love each other very much. It's very clear uh, in in the film. And then when he brings her into his chest and he he holds her in that moment, there's just there's just so much in that in that moment in tenderness that is unlike anything we've seen in a Star Wars movie ever. There's more emotion in her getting off of that ship than in uh, in Han seeing her for the first time when we hear Han and Leia's theme in the background. There's more emotion in that than all of Anakin and Padme, you know. They didn't even have to really dialogue that because our yeah. reaction would have been, we know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Good point. I, uh, I don't want to dwell on this too, too long. I know we're running out of time, but uh, one other thing little bit that made me think as you guys were talking well chewy had some neat spots in here yeah, yeah. he's got a thousand year old sugar mama wait, <laughs> waiting for him on that planet and, and she was pretty fun too uh-huh. uh but when she when he's when he's getting his wound checked yes. at the base and the the nurse is like oh you sound very brave it sounds so scary <laughs> and <he's> like, <laughs> i was like that dude is such a mac daddy he's he's, he's the second biggest pimp after lando 
and how there was that smart ass uh, exchange with him when, or just when Han would say something and every time would comment, I talk yeah. myself out uh-huh. of it every time. And he's like, <laughs> it reminded me of uh, on Echo Base, you know, laugh it up, Buzzball. Right. They would rib that, each other. That kind of fun. Ab- yeah, Abrams again. I, I've dogged him out a couple times here for no valid reason. Really, I just don't. And I didn't get into Lost. I uh, some of his other films, just, uh, the Star Trek reboot, is not my favorite. Uh, it's not horrible, but it's not Star Wars. I mean, this yeah. was really. I think he knocked it out of the park, frankly. Yeah, episode seven reminded me of my favorite character as a kid was Chewbacca. And I, I love Chewie in this movie. You know, if I were watching this again as a kid, Chewie would probably again be my favorite character. You're a comic book guy, right? Yeah. Chewie is, is Colossus to me. He's the heart. Mm. Without him, you don't mm-hmm. really have... It, so it falls who's, apart his, who's Kitty Pride? Uh, I'd have to think on that one. We'll have to have <laughs> the, another the one nurse. Yeah, maybe. Miles Kanata. So yeah, I thought the uh, I, I thought the stormtroopers when uh, Kylo Ren was having a fit and they just uh, let's turn around. Yep. That was exit that stage was, left. That was pretty funny. And they were b- better but, shots this time too. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I, when you have everybody yeah. standing in the quad and you just shoot them like ducks on a barrel, you know, yeah, it's yeah. not that hard. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought I thought it was great. Now, so Matt, you were saying you think in the next episode there's going to be a big war. We'll see more of that. Yeah, I, I mean, everyone was racing to get to the same location, um, and. I don't know. I mean, if we follow like a little bit of the, the rhythm of what happens in like the, the next one, it's good. Everything's going to get really, really shitty <laughs> and it'll be enjoyable. I never will ever will say that's their favorite one because it's, it's dark and twisted. Yeah. What, what do you think, Steven? What, what are you, some of your predictions? I think we're definitely going to see Kylo Ren get more entrenched in the dark side. That was, you know, the note that we were left with, you know, when Snoke's like, come to me, we'll complete your training. Now's the time. So he's, it, and he's killed his dad. He's crossed that uncrossable threshold and that, you know, he has gone completely over. And so we're going to see more of that. Maybe I'm, so I would love to see some more of uh, a Ray's training. Um, but I think for me in the second and the third one, uh, all bets are off for who can die of, of the original. You know, Leia can die. Luke can die. And... Not Chewie. Oh, God, I... I I I can't, no. <laughs> I can understand Sorry, what <laughs> I can understand what Han and Leia and Luke because the actors are they're aging and whatever Chewie yeah Peter Mayhew God rest your soul whatever even though you're still alive we can get another we can get another tall guy to be in the Chewie suit Chewie can live on you know yeah. one of those black kill troopers. Chewie <laughs> yeah Jeffrey um when I when I watched the prequels uh, knowing that Lucas had some of his friends in there to to kind of give him the thumbs up. I had hoped Tarantino was in there because I thought it'd be neat if he spun off and was able to do a, a Tarantino style Star Wars where he had, you know, like Mace Windu going, the lightsaber, when you got to kill every motherfucker in the room, except no substitute. <laughs> so I would like to see the second one be about that dark, you know, that I want to see full on Sith. Like this is how you become a badass evil bastard and the entire universe is afraid of you. We're not going to see that because it's Disney. We'll see bits. I mean, Disney's not a exactly, they're not doing Bambi anymore. So I mean, it, yeah. they get a little darker, but uh, it'll be dark. Um, you said earlier that Empire becomes like that that perfect reference point for trilogies. It's the the, the pivot, you know, like a se- mm-hmm. turning into double play at second. You know, it's, it's essential. Um, we're going to get that again. We're going to get that. There's going to be a lot of people after the second one, I think, that are going to think the second one was better than this one. But, I don't know, man, because the first one But to your point, so I high. mean, if they kill off Luke and, yeah. and Leah or, God, if they kill off Chewie, we're all going to go, you know, it's going to be a riot. But... Yeah, I mean, I, I, as you both said, I think we have no way of knowing, and I'm excited for that. For once, mm-hmm. I don't know what's coming. Mm-hmm. The prequels, we knew what was coming because yeah. they were backtracking. But now it's all uncharted territory, and I'm excited for it. 
That's good. My only prediction is we'll all get together and we'll talk about the next one. Maybe one of the uh, one of the expansion projects or prequel projects or sure. whatever you call these spinoffs. But yeah, it's uh, it's been a fun time talking about it, guys. Went by too it. fast. Yeah, yeah, it always does, and I love. Stephen, you bringing the the deepness to the conversation. So I roll. I bring depth. Always good, baby. Remember that, ladies. (laughs) Next time I leave the Arkansas at home. Sorry, Stephen. (laughs) It's okay. I bring it with me. (laughs) Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Ken. I think our sound guy just walked out. (laughs) Did the NPR march? If I was going to be a pro wrestler, that's what I would come out to. The Imperial March. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> that was horrible. That was really bad. That's great. That was, as, that was as bad as the round table was good. Never heard of the Millennium Falcon. Oh, yeah. The ship that did the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. Yeah. Dig it. <laughs> <laughs>